0: You've reached the CNA Newsroom. CNA Newsroom.
1: CNA Newsroom. CNA Newsroom.
2: Welcome to CNA Newsroom. Hey, guys. Welcome to the podcast. We bring you great stories and the Catholic news that matters each week. I'm your host and CNA Editor-in-Chief, J.D. Flynn. Today, we have part two of our podcast series on China. And, guys, this entire episode is the incredible story of Chen Guangcheng, a Chinese human rights activist who was imprisoned and tortured by the Chinese government for speaking out who made a harrowing escape from the Chinese, and who made his way to the U.S. He did all of that while being blind. Today, Chen Guangcheng lives in Washington, D.C., but his fight for human rights in China is not over. Just a quick note, Chen Guangcheng is most comfortable speaking in Mandarin. We don't speak the Mandarin. Some of you maybe speak the Mandarin, but most of you don't, so we asked our good friend, Dr. Matthew Bunsen from the National Catholic Register to help us with voiceovers. Okay, here's Chen Guangcheng's story. As told by CNA Newsroom's executive producer, Kate Veik.
1: Chen Guangcheng was born in 1971 in a village in eastern China. At the time, China was in the middle of a socio political restructuring through Communist Party leader Mao Zedong's Cultural Revolution. When he was only five months old, Guangcheng got sick. And even though he recovered, he lost his vision. He has been blind ever since. He doesn't quite say this, but maybe it was Chen Guangcheng's own disability that made him so sensitive, even from such a young age, to the needs of other people and to the injustices that they faced.
0: Even before I started to criticize them, I had always been observing society and had always been trying to understand and know society, including things like issues of justice in society and what you could do if your basic rights weren't being guaranteed. I was especially interested in things related to the government and how government policies affected regular people and what motivated the government in regards to implementing certain policies.
1: Chen Guangchen didn't start school until he was 17. He remembers one time he was maybe 18 or 19, he thinks, when he was forced to pay to ride a city bus into town to go to school. The bus ride should have been free, there's a Chinese law that offers fair exemption for the disabled. But the driver made him pay. After that, Chen Guangchen says he started noticing other people facing injustice. He started to notice discrepancies between what the government said it would do and what it actually did for its people, especially the disabled. What
0: initially led me to speak out was that the rights of disabled people were being directly infringed on by the government. That's to say, After China passed its law for the protection of the rights of the disabled, if disabled people in the countryside were unable to do physical labor, they shouldn't have been made to pay taxes. But the Communist Party was still making them pay. And to force them to pay, they would beat them up. I couldn't accept this. And so I stood up and criticized them.
1: Guang Chen started speaking out. He says he was motivated by hope. He thought he could help to improve China.
0: I only thought about how to make China better. I just thought that when faced with human rights abuses, this was unlawful and violated the principles of basic rights. So I was just thinking about how to stop evil behavior. It was a natural response, just like if an elderly person were falling down, I would reach out to help them. At that time, it was really just a natural response like that.
1: One time, Chen Guangcheng heard a teacher at his school beating a student. The teacher was drunk. The student was blind. Chen filed complaint after complaint, but the teacher didn't expect to suffer any consequences. Eventually, Chen called into a radio talk show and talked about what had happened. He created a media uproar, and the teacher was forced to apologize. When Chen Guangcheng realized how hard it was to hold someone accountable, he was furious— He said the teacher opened his eyes. It made him start to see a systematic disregard for the rule of law in China. Eventually, he started advocating for the rights of the people around him as a barefoot lawyer. This is a Chinese phrase to describe someone who does the work of a formal lawyer, but without the official license. He spoke out for workers and disabled people. In 2003, when Chen Guanchen was 32, he brought a case against the Beijing Metro Corporation for repeatedly denying him the subway fare exemption that Chinese law promised for all disabled people. Chen Guangchen won that case, but then the government started paying attention to his work, and for him, that was not such a good thing. Still, the government didn't really intervene in Guangcheng's life until he began speaking out about another human rights abuse, the government's enforcement of its one-child policy.
0: If it's about when the Communist Party started to notice me, it would have been when I was in Beijing in a lawsuit against the Beijing Metro Corporation. But the real repression was because of the one-child policy, the violent one-child policy.
1: China's one-child policy was imposed in 1980 in an effort to curb population growth as China's population neared one billion. Families, with very few exceptions, were not allowed to have more than one child. Women who had more than one baby could be punished. And especially in rural areas, the government forced women to be sterilized and to have abortions.
0: At that time, I'd seen really all too many awful things. Under the name of the Communist Party, the CCP was dragging pregnant women out of their homes, stuffing them in vehicles, sometimes without even putting on clothes and taking them to reproductive planning clinics for forced abortions, where they would give them an injection to kill the baby and then induce it out. If they couldn't find these pregnant women, they would grab their relatives and family members. In just six months, in just the area of Lin Yi, where I'm from, The Communist Party had carried out more than 130,000 forced abortions or sterilizations, and over 600,000 people were tortured, kidnapped, and detained because of familial relations.
1: Chen Guangcheng sued the government-run Family Planning Commission office in his town. He invited a reporter from Time magazine to come to China and report on the abuses. He also did an interview with the Washington Post. The government was not happy. In September of 2005, local government officials sent a group of 200 people to detain him. They charged him for having two children, and they charged him for giving an interview to the Washington Post. He was sentenced to seven months of house arrest. Afterward, he spent three months in an unofficial jail, run by security forces and operating in a kind of legal gray zone, acknowledged by the government, but almost entirely outside the law. Afterward, Chen served seven months of house arrest. It was around this time that Chen Chen's story reached U.S. Representative Chris Smith of New Jersey. Here, Smith:
3: The campaign against Chen really began in 2005, and we heard about it almost immediately. You know, the Chinese tried to keep information under wraps, but somehow it gets out. So I've been, you know, I've been working on the forced abortion issue in China uh, since 1983. I've tried to keep my ear very close to the ground as to what's happening. And, of course, Chen uh, just jumped off the page as a truly remarkable human rights leader. But in '05, you know, the international news attention was brought to bear um, about him uh, as never before. And we were all, you know, rallying behind him.
1: Like he said, Chris Smith has been a longtime advocate for human rights with a special focus on international human rights abuses in places like China. But even though he had the world attention, life for Chen Guangcheng wasn't going to get easier anytime soon. In June of 2006, just as he was coming off of his seven months of house arrest, government officials arrested and detained Guangcheng. They held a trial in August and by December, he was convicted for destruction of property and for gathering a crowd to obstruct traffic. The property he destroyed, Two cars that were pushed into a ditch as people in Chen's town formed a mob to try to protect him from government officials. The crowd that obstructed the traffic? It was, and you really will not believe this, the group of government officials that surrounded Chen Guangcheng in the middle of a road to detain him. A local court sentenced him to four years and some months in prison for his crimes. Chen was going to prison because the people who arrested him obstructed traffic and because his neighbors tried to stop them.
0: The unlawful detention started out at home for seven months, then three months in a secret jail. Then they concocted a crime and sentenced me to four years, three months in prison. After I was let out of prison, it was another 20 months of unlawful detention. The whole process was filled with violence and torture.
1: Chen Guangcheng remembers that one night, out of nowhere, he was hit in the face. His glasses broke, and they cut his face. He remembers being severely beaten while inmates looked on. He remembers when guards shaved his head and then stomped on his back and his arms. He remembers that it took him weeks to recover. In September 2010, after serving his time in prison, Chen Guangcheng was again placed under house arrest with his family.
3: called it an emergency hearing because we thought he might even be dead.
1: That's Representative Chris Smith again.
3: Um, That was in November of 2011. We did find out that he was not dead, that he was obviously being abused by the dictatorship.
1: At that point, Chen Guangcheng had been with his wife and daughter at home under house arrest for more than a year. Six months later, in April 2012, Chen escaped from the Chinese. He was under house arrest and he broke out. Chen Guangcheng has made an
3: audacious escape from his house in Shandong province.
2: A self-taught lawyer and advocate for the poor had been a prisoner in his own home for more than 18 months. American officials are working feverishly to end a diplomatic crisis over a Chinese dissident. The worst diplomatic crisis between the U.S. and China in more than 30 years.
3: One diplomatic source indicates he may have sought refuge at the U.S. embassy, but that has not been confirmed. And
2: word now is he may in fact be under the protection of American Diplomat. Chinese
3: police are targeting his entire family and continue to round up anyone with connections
1: to him. Chen Guangcheng planned his escape in advance. He tricked his guards into thinking he was very ill by staying in bed for long periods of time. When it was time to escape, Chen Guangcheng scaled a wall in the middle of the night, breaking his foot in the process. He crawled beside a river, making his way out of town. Within hours, he met his nephew in a location they'd arranged before the escape. Chen's nephew drove him more than 300 miles to Beijing. He hid on the outskirts of the city until, several days later, the U.S. invited him into its embassy. He was safe, or should have been. His escape sparked a diplomatic crisis. U.S. and Chinese officials were already scheduled to meet for an annual strategy and economic discussion, but that meeting was scheduled to take place just two days after the U.S. government confirmed to Chinese officials that Chen Guangcheng had taken shelter in the U.S. embassy. The U.S. wanted to stand with Chen, but it didn't want to tell China what to do. Chen spent six days at the U.S. embassy before, he says, officials there convinced him to visit a nearby hospital to treat the foot he broke in his escape from house arrest, along with other symptoms that suggested some internal bleeding.
3: Some other dissidents, including a lawyer that I knew that had been here in the United States for a while, he was a Chinese lawyer. On his way to see Chen, and a carload of thugs from the government stopped him before he got into the hospital and beat him. Uh, So he was truly isolated. And the belief was that when they let him go, so-called under an agreement with the United States, it would be a matter of when and not if that he would be murdered. They would call it an accident, probably he got hit by a car, drank something that had poison in it, uh, but it would have been a hit by the government and it would have killed him. Uh, there's I had no doubt about it because I know how they act and I know what they do to people in prison as well uh, when they have these so-called accidents. Uh, but he did have a phone and that phone was the lifeline uh, to the world, to the news media and to my committee hearing room. So he called in twice at two separate hearings uh, and made his concerns known. And at the last one, um, he said, I want to come to America. The commission will uh, resume its sitting. And uh, I just want to apprise uh, everyone that uh, Bob Fu has made contact with Chen Guanzhen, uh in his hospital room. So, Uh, Oh, he wants to come to the U.S. uh, for uh, uh, some time of rest. He has uh, not had any rest in the past 10 years uh, already. Now, all the press were at the hearing. Uh, The Wall Street Journal put it on page one above the fold, uh, which gave it a great deal of prominence, as did Associated Press and other uh, global uh, news services. And within about six to eight hours, Chinese government relinquished um, their hold on him and said he can come to America with his family.
1: While Chen Guangcheng was in the hospital, then-Secretary of State Hillary Clinton met with a foreign policy official. She said nothing about Chen Guangcheng's situation, other than that she would be obliged to speak about him to the press. But within hours, the Chinese government gave Chen freedom to travel abroad like any other citizen. Three weeks later, in May 2012, Chen Guangcheng and his wife and their children arrived in Newark, New Jersey. For Smith, it was a major victory.
3: It was euphoric. It was, I thank God, because we had all been praying for him very, very vigorously. We knew he was at risk. Any human rights defender in China, they are marked people uh, by this dictatorship. But when you spoke out against the one-child-per-couple policy with its reliance on forced abortion and coercive sterilization... Uh, That was especially egregious in the minds of the Chinese government. And they would throw the book at you. It was really, really touch and go for so long.
1: Chen Guangcheng got a fellowship at NYU's School of Law.
3: When I had hearings after he came back with him, he made an appeal to know what were the terms and conditions that would have allowed him to stay there with a U.S. assurance that there would be no bodily harm or any other kind of harm to him and his family. And we could never get it because there was nothing.
1: Today, Chen Guangchen lives in freedom in Washington, D.C., with his wife and his children. He's a fellow at the Catholic University of America and also several think tanks. He published a memoir in 2015 about his experience with the Chinese government. His book has been translated into eight languages worldwide, and he continues to speak out against China's human rights abuses.
0: As long as China has a government structure of authoritarian dictatorship, the disasters that have befallen the Chinese people will not cease. The evils of the Chinese Communist Party are not only directed domestically at China, but are also directed at the whole world, which it seeks to control. Hence, if we don't use our democracy and our human rights to change China, the Chinese Communist Party will use its barbaric authoritarianism to control our lives in the free world. So if we don't stand up now to fight back against the Chinese Communist authoritarian regime, in the future, it will bring harm on us. That's why I feel that members of Congress in America should be like Chris Smith and care about human rights and challenge the Communist Party. Many Americans should stand with the Chinese people to challenge the Communist Party.
1: The fight also continues for Smith.
3: Since Chen um, made it to the United States, it's actually gotten worse. In China, under Xi Jinping, the religious freedom issue has gone from unconscionable to worse, which some thought could never happen. This is where the world has to rise up against Xi Jinping, at least the believing world, and say, you've agreed to the Universal Declaration on Human Rights. You're a signatory to the convention uh, that is civil and political rights, uh, which guarantees religious freedom. And you are violating religious freedom of all peoples with impunity. And it's going and is getting worse. Xi Jinping is truly waging a war on religion. And if you're not part of it, you're killed.
1: Chen Guangcheng considers himself spiritual but not religious. But he has defended religious freedom as he has defended other basic human freedoms in the face of persecution from China's communist government.
0: In terms of religious believers in China, they have always been persecuted by the Communist Party. The party only allows you to believe in communism and won't allow to have other ideas or beliefs. Freedom of belief is actually written into the Constitution of China. So I feel the CCP is acting outside of the Constitution. It doesn't have the right to do these kinds of things. We need to oppose it. Everyone has the right to things like freedom of thought and freedom of belief. It's not something that the Communist Party can strip you of just because they want to.
1: A lot of people in China revere Chen Guangcheng as a kind of dissident hero champion for the rights of workers, the disabled, and women targeted by China's now two-child policy. But in Chen's eyes, he was just doing what was right in a creative way.
0: I feel that it's not that other people didn't speak out. It's that some people speak out, and then that's the end of it. They don't do anything more specific. I'm a little different. At the time, other people got in touch with the media in China, but the CCP was controlling the domestic media, and so people thought that there was no more that they could do, and just dropped it. But for me, I couldn't just drop it. I felt this was the right thing to do, seeing as what was happening was unnatural and inhumane. I felt I had to deal with the issue. I also found that the media was controlled by the CCP, and that it was also controlling academics and lawyers, So I went through the international media to get it out, so that the whole world would know. In that way, the Communist Party wouldn't have any way to censure the information. Other people's methods were just different. That's why I don't believe that the Communist Party can control everything. And hence, when I'm faced with problems, and maybe this is because of my personality, I don't believe that there's no solution, but rather that there's a problem with our methods, or that we haven't thought of the right solution and haven't tried hard enough.
1: Chen Guangcheng says that if he could return home to China, he would, but he can't. That idea, for him, remains only a hope for the future.
0: In regards to my hopes for China, I believe that China can realize a modern, civilized, democratic society with the rule of law, respect for human rights, and freedom of information. As for what I think of the current human rights situation in China, there are two sides to it. One is that the Communist Party has been cracking down more and more forcefully, and it's gotten much worse. On the other side, the people are fighting back more and more enthusiastically, and their understanding and awakening is growing. That's the situation. So I hope that in the future, when China has become democratic, I will be able to come and go freely from China.
2: That is it for this week's episode of CNA Newsroom. Thanks for listening. This was our second episode on China. If you missed it, go back and listen to last week's show, What's the Deal with the China Deal, featuring Cardinal Joseph Zen. If you're interested in learning more about Chen Guangcheng's incredible story, check out his memoir, The Barefoot Lawyer. And don't forget to subscribe to CNA Newsroom wherever you get your podcasts. CNA Newsroom is a production of Catholic News Agency and EWTN News Outlet. I'm your host, J.D. Flynn. We're edited and produced by Kate Vike and Jonah McKeown. Our executive producer is Kate Vyke. Special thanks this week to our guests on this episode and also to Matt Hedro and Danica Mills and Matthew Bunsen. Stay tuned after the music, guys, for this week's Hidden Track. Until next week, see you later. Thank you so much, Congressman. Thank you seriously for your heroism on this issue, on pro-life issues. We're so grateful for your work and what you're doing, and I do need to ask you a favor. Oh, sure. So I'm from Union County, New Jersey, and in our newsroom, I sometimes talk about being from New Jersey. So I told my producer I would ask you some New Jersey questions while I have you. So here it is. So, Congressman, Wildwood or Seaside, your opinion, sir? Uh, I like them both. (laughs) I like Ocean City, but my wife and I, I proposed to my wife on, on a Belmore jetty. I love Belmore. Now, Congressman... Taylor Ham, great breakfast meat or the greatest breakfast meat? Your opinion. Uh, Taylor Ham is the best. And uh, matter
3: of fact, if you go to a Wawa, anything north of, of uh, Philadelphia, you can get Taylor Ham there. It doesn't, they don't uh, provide it anywhere south. I know because I'm back
2: and forth every week. I stop to get Taylor Ham every week. Now that is a congressman. Thank you so much, congressman. Thank you. Thank you. That's a great question. I love that. Yeah, I promised them I'd ask you a New Jersey question, so I had to follow through. Taylor hip It's not pork roast. Taylor hip I remember the rolls. We always used to... Taylor Ham uh, on a hard roll, right? That's right. On a hard roll. That is a congressman right there. All right. Thank you. Congressman, we're so grateful. Oh, thank you so much for the interview. I appreciate it. Call any time.